Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gaze. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers. And today there is a twist in the tale of the gay drink. I was trying to get a pink drink, which I've been getting religiously since someone introduced them to me. And I had to put blackberries in it instead of strawberries. This is the most exciting thing to happen to me in weeks. Has been changing my fruit in my gay Starbucks drink. I was like, uh, okay. That just makes it look a little different, I guess. It, it almost it almost kind of looks a little gayer with the, the purple and the pink in there. I don't know. I'm still experimenting with finding the gayest drink at Starbucks for these podcasts. I mean, I think pink is, you, you got it. I don't think you need to keep searching. I think that's the one. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I can do better. I feel like I can challenge. Maybe I need to branch out and go to more coffee shops besides just Starbucks. You know, I saw on the the TikTok uh, these girls who work at Starbucks and they made uh, WandaVision Refresher. So maybe that'll be like the next like gay did, drink. Did they say what was in it? I mean, you know how like if you were to go up to don't okay. By the way, people don't go to Starbucks and say I want a Wandavision refresher because they're not going to know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, it was and like probably like you'll be the stupid. story in the break room. <laughs> it was stupid. It was just like a they took like a dragon fruit refresher and they just put all the lemonade at the bottom instead of mixing it and then they poured the the juice on top so that it looked like an ombre like red to white kind of situation that's all it was that should be my that should be my experiment once i've moved out of my current apartment which is kind of a temporary setup and into something more permanent where i can go to the same coffee shop over and over again see if they can make like star wars uh themed drinks like see if i could design like a baby yoda drink or like an obi-wan kenobi i'm sure they probably have them on the internet oh i'm sure the trick is just just making it gay to go with the podcast too right i'm sure someone's already done it it's not like that hard if you typed in baby yoda starbucks drink i'm sure there's something like it's like probably some dumb kiwi you know whatever to make it green and then the white at the bottom or pistachio i'm recently discovering that they have the pistachio see you know more than i let's get right into it i don't believe we have anything we were (laughs) talking i was gonna say i mean there's not really (laughs) we're talking about starbucks we were talking in the the pre-meeting about um about how there's not really any news coming out of the tv shows right because most of them are they're getting ready to ramp up into production and we might see things like leaks and stuff from the yeah, shows as they're shooting, but we're just, we're not seeing anything. And this is not a news show. If we comment on something current, it's just because we want to. Right. Um, well, this episode, uh, we take a look at The Mandalorian season one, episode four titled Sanctuary. Where no the in the title. I noticed that. I, I would just, I was just about to say that. Like, this is the first. So if the first three had the at the beginning, this is just sanctuary i wonder why they didn't do like the sanctuary instead of probably because it's a break in the formula yeah so previously up to this point though we're all kind of the same story arc this one is the first one that kind of gets into the monster of the week right that we're gonna get for uh, the next few episodes 
And funny you say that because this episode is literally almost about a monster, monster of, the, of week. the week. But we'll get in, into that. We'll get into it. But yeah, yeah. Um, so on this episode, the Mandalorian teams up with an ex-soldier to protect a farming village from raiders. Uh, Charles, name one thing about the episode you liked and one thing you did not. One thing that I really liked but made it difficult to take notes on the episode. We talked about how the first three episodes were very like it was scene by scene. So Mando would go to a place and mm -hmm. do a thing. It was self-contained. And then he would move on to the next scene. Right. Whereas here in this episode, I was struck trying to take my notes on how short and how fluid the movement around the village and around the place is. Right. So there's scenes that take place in the village, but they're not necessarily taking place in one room. And I felt like we got a little more of a sense of the place, like this planet. Right. Uh, one thing I didn't like, and we'll, we'll cover on this, there is stuff in there. There's an episode of the, the Clone Wars, I think it's called The Bounty Hunters, uh, but it's, it's basically the same plot. Oh. And they lift certain, clearly, because they're both derivative of, of Seven, Samurai, Seven Samurai, I think. Yeah. But I think that was in the, there were trivia. certain yeah. things that were like, this is almost exactly the same beat mm -hmm. as this episode of the Clone Wars that Dave Filoni was also involved with. And that annoyed me to an extent, especially gotcha. on the second viewing. I won't say it's a bad thing. It's just kind of weird to me that they would do basically the same homage twice. Mm, I see what you mean. What about you? Likes and dislikes before we jump into the specific scenes. Um, I really liked the ATST, bringing that back. Um, I thought that was nostalgic as hell. It was great. And they, I liked the way that they did it versus when they did it in Return of the Jedi. Um, and then one thing I did not like was um, the new character of female shock trooper, not because of the actress, but because of just the whole, look, a woman can be a soldier too. A woman can be a rebel too, like kind of situation. I don't know. I just, that's See, the way I'm I felt. I'm on the other side of the fence with that yeah. because when she first premiered, I really liked that element to it. And I remember people didn't yeah, because we're, we're used to seeing a lot of the standard male trooper. We didn't see a lot of females. So to have a female rebel soldier that's also kind of the shock trooper, I really liked that. I thought, and I didn't think it was too... You know, I didn't think it was too in your face. I, I don't think that if they had made the character male, it would have changed that yeah. much about it. Mm -hmm. Disney, the way they do their like representation as far as gender and, and race is they're making sure that everything is kind of a nice mix, right. that those boundaries really don't exist. Like if you watch the sequel trilogy, like there's people of different races and genders on both the resistance and first order side so right i can see how it might come across that way like considering she's the first one but i'll bet you as, right. as disney keeps going forward we're going to see more characters like her mm -hmm. no i don't mind the character itself i think i just didn't like the fact that they were like oh it's a rebel you know 
whatever. Like, I guess I just, I find that boring because we're already, we're in this outer rim area. Like, why do we need somebody from that oh. storyline, you know? Like, that's kind of more uh, where I'm going for. So you're, oh, okay. So your concern was that just that they're bringing more stuff from the original like rebel versus empire thing. Yeah, because I think what I would would have rather had is her be a female bounty hunter. I think that's what they were going for, and I think right. they leaned too heavily into the shock trooper thing. Yeah. Maybe a bit in this. Well, episode. we'll talk about her when we get to her in the third. We'll talk about her when we. There's yeah. other. There's other <clears throat> scenes. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So, well, we'll start at the beginning. So, I thought this was the weirdest opening. Um. I don't know because I didn't even remember this. So I was watching this the second time around. And we start the episode underwater with the blue krill. And I thought, this is a weird teaser opening. <laughs> like, it was so weird. Like, I was just like, what is this episode about? Are we underwater this episode? Like, da-da. And then you see that they're actually farming the um, the krill. And I thought that was, I was like, wow, I don't think Star Wars has ever had an opening like this that wasn't like a spaceship opening or like a planet opening or whatever. So this is like yeah. the first like, new opening. Episode two, I noted that this was another, like, it was almost like the same type of shot as the second episode. Remember, we had the lizard. That was the opening of episode two was the lizard, and then his foot comes in, and it's seamless. Here, you can kind of see where the seam is, but it's still pretty impressive to have the fish, and then it kind of goes down and comes up to the live shot of the villagers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, I liked, you know, when they pulled out and they showed... For some reason, the droid on stilts stuck out to me. Yeah, I thought it was cute. Shots. I thought it was really cool. Like that they, I mean, because it actually, they reminded you with that, that just because it's a primitive village doesn't mean they don't have robots. Doesn't mean that they don't have aliens. It doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, technology because it is Star Wars still. They're part of this universe. The, right. The different aliens and the different. Um, right. Ro- droid integration and all that. That's part of the universe. It's, right. And I loved it. You know. The village village might have one or two TVs in the whole village. Same thing, the village might have one or two droids that they all scraped together and bought to help out with farming. So it's very sad when the bad things happen to the droid later on. (laughs) Well, even when uh, in this scene, right? uh, Mm Because you get the um, Clatoonians, is that what they're called? That's such a ridiculous, that's such know. a Star Warsy ridiculous name. The it sounds more Star Trek than it does Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like the Klingons. Like it's like the Clatoonians. Like I don't know. It doesn't sound. I used to. I used to. This was a fun perspective for me. Mm. Uh, when I was living in Alabama, I wanted to keep my acting skills sharp. Uh, so I actually was in several Star Trek fan films. I know nothing about Star Trek. <laughs> I still know nothing, but they would give me these scripts. These scripts. Oh, okay. And I would, I would look at it and be like, I wonder if this is like how Alec Guinness felt getting these scripts or Werner Herzog getting these scripts. It's right. like, I'm saying these names, but I don't know what they mean. I'm just saying the dialogue that's written for me. Right. Um, yeah, and so these Clatoonians, we've seen them before. Yes, I'm. I want to say the they're the guards, right? On or is that not the same thing? I believe they are the guards in, in Jabba's uh, They're Palace? not the Nikto. Oh, is that what I was thinking of? Oh, uh, okay. Maybe okay. thinking of the Nikto. Yeah. What are Clatoonians? Because. I thought that's what I mean. I was thinking of the the ones from the second episode, I guess that's what they were, but um, we have seen them 
I know we've seen them before somewhere. Throughout, you know, they've popped up occasionally. They were in Return of the Jedi. Right. Uh, they've popped up, I've mentioned a few places, uh, the Aftermath trilogy. Uh, I'm just scrolling through. If, in case you haven't noticed on these episodes, sometimes we have to pull up Wikipedia and check <laughs> right. something in the middle of recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been seen in the Clone Wars in two episodes, so they've popped in and out. Okay, so they're just random. They're just they're just another alien that they can pull out. Gotcha. Checking the um, checking the page for the canon and legends, it doesn't say specifically where in at least from skimming it they were in return of the jedi but they were in return of the jedi okay cool that works for me um (laughs) that's all we need to know about them yeah because they really they don't serve any other purposes just the bad guys this episode so nameless bad guys i'm fine with that they're the bad guys this episode gave me really really strong and this scene like was what kicked it Mm -hmm. two towers vibes lord of the rings the two towers how, there, have you seen that movie recently? Um, actually, funny enough, I have, but I don't know what you're talking about. The scene terms. where they burn down, the Urukai show up, and they burn down the village in Rohan. Okay. And they Reminded, hide. In, do they hide in the water or something? They don't hide in the water. I was just the way that they shot and had them these kind of like orc-looking aliens oh, come I in, see. and the one had the big sword. And I'm going, this reminds me a lot of just that one specific scene. And it will not be the only scene that reminds me of a a shot from the two towers. But I was like, clearly the director of this episode. Right. What was a fan of the two towers movie? Because Mm -hmm. there's a few sequences in there. It's clearly some inspiration may have been drawn consciously or unconsciously from it. Um, yeah, and I thought when they were hiding in the water under the basket, I thought that was so, so clever. I was like, because if I were the bad guy, I'm not going to be like going in the water looking for people, you know, I don't want to get wet, like kind of thing. So I thought it was just funny that they were like, oh, we'll just hide under this floating basket. I thought that was so cool. And I also thought, how good are these blue shrimp that all these assholes are coming in to steal this krill? Because they said they make some kind of drink out of it, right? Later, later on, uh, later on, we will talk about why they want the krill because okay. this is my third or fourth time watching the episode, and I just figured it out, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, okay. But we will also talk about the water because I love the way that the water is not just a set dressing; the water is used multiple times through the episode, integrated into the plot. Gotcha. Well, and then our title screen comes up uh, and we get the title of Sanctuary. Now, what does Sanctuary mean in this episode, Charles? A sanctuary being, you know, a place where you can be safe. It's generally a a place of peace and relaxation. Uh, It's a place where you can be completely at ease. And as we will see throughout this episode, this episode is mando's attempt to find that right firstly for himself and the child and then he will over time want to give that sanctuary to the child and of course the discovery throughout the episode is that will not be as simple as mando believes yeah i thought about that too because this whole episode like you know we get the vibes of like oh wow he finally found a place to you know stop and kind of 
not do anything anymore. It was like, but if you did, then there wouldn't be a show. So it doesn't really make sense. Staring ominously <laughs> at the season and a half left. Right, this exactly. Episode, like, currently at time of recording. Right. Um, so we get Baby Yoda in the ship, which actually felt more like the standard opening of an episode. They kind of are in the ship in space. Um, which I thought you was do funny. that in people's cars too, where it's it's just like you're sitting there and you're looking at like it's like your rich friend and they've yeah. got this car that's got all the shiny buttons, and your brain is like, I want to push I the touch button. That. I, I want to know what this. Why does your car have so many buttons? I know that you're a corporate lawyer, right? But I really want to know, like, what do these buttons do, and can I press them? And he does. I mean, he just presses random buttons, and then Manda's like, "Don't touch that! Don't touch that! Don't touch that!" Touch my car, right? Don't touch, don't touch my beat up space pickup truck. And then he calls him a womp rat. And he's like, "You little womp rat." That's, that's that was one weird. Of those things. It's like I always thought that was a Tatooine specific. That's thing. That's what I thought. A womp rat. So it must be one of those just like random. Like it's I, I'm assuming because it's been referenced more than once by somebody who's not from Tatooine, I'm assuming it's just a thing that everybody knows about and just talks about like dang Farrick or whatever. Like it's maybe, like, maybe the Jawas brought it with them when they uh, right. immigrated off of Tatooine, maybe Honestly, they're expanding maybe. their culture out. I was going to say, uh, it's not in this scene, but we'll get another creature in a scene soon uh, that also somehow migrated to this planet so we're gonna have to go into that too uh all these everybody just knows what all these different creatures are um but uh he that brand that sweet sweet brand integration right um so he he's basically i don't mando is so silly so he he lands the ship and he's like okay you stay here on the ship what because he honestly he just assumes that this is a child right like for as far as he knows this is an actual baby right it is a baby right um and he just leaves this baby alone on this ship he's like okay bye i'm gonna go don't don't you stay right here don't move i'm gonna be right back and then what what did you expect was going to happen like when you tell a kid not to do something the kid is going to do the thing that you told them not to do and i noted here actually that the walk animation yeah for him that they do with the puppet is super impressive. Like every episode, I feel like there's another thing that makes me go, oh man, that's such a cool feature of the puppet. Right. Well, I thought, yeah, no, I thought that was weird too. But the only thing I noted about the walking though was that um, Baby Yoda walks so fucking slow. Like how the hell is Mando gonna walk all the way to wherever the village is or the town or whatever it is that he goes to the bar? How does he, like Baby Yoda is only going like, an inch at a time and <laughs> Mando's got big old him. legs well he just like probably walks just next to him, him around it was but he followed remember like in the so if we go to the next scene he's literally just walking next to him so how long have they been walking for like an hour two hours like who knows baby yoda's been getting his his sprint his in. steps in i mean look yep. at him he's like tiny little baby he's got his dress on that's too big for him and then he's like <laughs> barely walking it's just it's so funny i i need to take a lesson from that i need to have more baby yoda. i need to get a baby yoda so that i could be encouraged to walk more right 
And this is okay. So this is the part that I was talking about when baby Yoda's walking next to Mando in the bar, he sees uh, a creature we've seen before, which I actually audibly gasped the first time I saw this. When we I saw remember thinking this is so cool. This might, it was either this episode or the next episode was the one I watched right after it aired. Yeah. So I, th- I think it was this one. No, it was the next one. Cause I remember this specific thing was pointed out. beforehand and then i believe it was the next one that i managed to catch up okay yeah i i saw this and i was like that's a loath cat i was like i know i know what that is i've i've seen it i've seen rebels i know what that is uh and then they made it real i was like whoa okay that's fun how did a loath cat get all the way from lethal to is it sprogan they, they say the name uh, of the planet several times I in the episode, but I didn't. I also didn't write. I it didn't down. write it down. It's so it backwater. I didn't bother to I write didn't it matter. down. Right. No. Um. I thought about that, and I thought maybe just the person that the like is sitting next to the Lothcat, or uh, it's, the Lothcat sitting underneath it, is like from Lethal, and they're just like they brought their cat with them. You know what I mean? Like, guys, we found Ezra Bridger. Right, he, he was in the bar the Mystery whole time. Solved. That's going to be the big twist in like Mando season five or six. Right, Ezra and he was, was there the whole time. This like random bar in the middle of nowhere. Yep, I've the seen. Whole I mean, time. yeah, if you, it makes sense, right? Because the sorry, what? I just I just spoiled like the it, the big twist of later Mandalorian seasons is <laughs> it's been Ezra all along. <laughs> Ezra was the Mandalorian the whole time. <laughs> that was a that. I can't remember if that was a theory. Was it? I mean, that would have been good if they did. That would have been but... good, but I can't remember if that was a theory. It should have been because it kind of makes sense. Yeah, because you know what? It would have been a good way it. for him to hide. You know what I mean? Like no one knew who he was because he was always wearing his helmet, kind of thing. Like he's got some connections to the right. Mandalorians, having you know worked with Bo-Katan right. and. Uh, Sabine right. and these other Mandalorians. Damn, that would have been such a good if, spot. I can't remember if that was a, a genuine theory. That would have been so good. Happened. I know every time somebody gets cast, they're like, is it Ezra? Because I remember when Benicio yeah. Del Toro was cast in The Last Jedi and people were like, oh, it's secretly Ezra Bridger right. the whole time, which it, it wasn't. Do you think they'll ever... <sighs> See, it's weird about Ezra with casting because, like, I feel like they could just use the voice actor because he actually is an actor and he's been on like Disney Channel and stuff like that. Like, and he looks like he could be Ezra Bridger. So I don't know why they would just bother to cast anybody else because he's already perfect. Like, just use him. Like, I don't know. I've heard. Unless they try to make him older. I mean, I don't. I really think they're know trying. I think that might be, he might be a little too young to play him at this point in the timeline. I see. I have heard rumors that they might be casting the guy who played Aladdin. In I, the did, live action I did Aladdin. see that. I saw that, which wouldn't which. be bad. Um, I just, I was like, well, is he much, is he that much older though? I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, uh, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of voice actor, if possible, voice actor portraying right. the actual character. Like I loved that they got Katie Sackhoff Oh, uh, she's to perfect. do a thing yeah. later on in the show uh, that I'll be vague about. Oh yeah, because we don't know uh, what you're talking about right now. Right, the big switch later on where they switched uh, 
they switched from the voice actor to casting someone totally different to play them, which we also won't discuss at this time, but right. I had some mixed feelings about. Um, speaking of random. But jutting back to no, I was going to say, like, let's, go, let's go back to the, this episode. If we so, start looking for Ezra Bridger, we're going to be looking for yeah, 20 for years. Yeah, for a long time. Um, so while they're at the bar, we get a, um, a new character. Mando notices a, a sexy lady in the corner and he's scoping her out and he's like you know what i like that lady over there why is she staring at me no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> he's i don't know why he's so concerned like just some random woman like he's just like that lady looks because she's just clearly because she's clearly like she's armored yeah she's uh you know by herself she's mm-hmm. clearly not a local right and his his like threat detector is going off right like maybe Um, she's here to take the kid yeah he's like wait a minute she's suspicious because she's the only lady Mm. in this bar so she's she has she has armor that someone clearly did not design as part of the background extras her costuming is far too intricate to be a background character i was gonna take it to a whole new level and say that uh mando's just sexist because he's like that woman is not serving people. So she's clearly <laughs> suspicious. Like she's not a real lady. Maybe in like much earlier EU stuff that yeah. might've flown here. Right. I think it's, the, I think it's the, she's clearly like not from this planet no, because she that. can afford halfway decent armor. Right. It's one of those, if somebody shows up is sitting at the end of a dive bar in an expensive suit you're yep. going to be suspicious yeah you're like huh you know, okay unless it's like a go-go bar in which case you know why they're there right and who is this new character this new character we will learn is named cara dune and she is portrayed by gina carano who is an mma fighter which will be relevant a little oh. bit later in the episode well i guess that makes a lot of sense then <laughs> why they chose her um so he's he's harassing the waitress and he's like hey who's that lady over there she's like i don't know dude he's like here's some money and then she's like oh my god thank you so much like i thought when i watched this i thought service industry vibes where service industry represent like right that's the way to do it just throw money throw at money us. at people i thought no i swear i was when i watched this i thought she was thanking him for just tipping her but i thought he was tipping her for information like he wanted her to tell him more and she just didn't know what else to say so she was just kind of like oh well you know what let me get you that food real quick because honestly i could take it she has a really interesting line to this waitress Mm that or the the i guess owner of the shop yeah uh where she mentions that you know he orders bone broth and she's like well i just you know finished killing this thing so we've got it fresh and i went wait does she like go out and kill her own food one thing there must be some kind of metal it must be some kind of native creature or something that you can just like you know i just love the idea that there's this restaurant owner who like moonlights as like this master hunter yep where she goes out at night and just takes out her frustrations on her customers just by killing things out in the wild and then comes back and serves it to them so it's this ongoing cycle of like she the the customers are frustrating 
So she goes out and kills things and serves it to the customers. Like, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, Makes the sense. idea that she like goes out and hunts her own food and butchers it herself and then serves it to people. Makes sense to me. Give her her own Disney Plus show. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't go that far. But um, no, I liked that uh, after, you know, he's talking to her and distracting her, then, oh my gosh, uh, this lady, uh, hot lady in the corner is gone all of a sudden. And that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> and he's like, uh, watch the kid or something. Right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go out here and do something. Do adult quick. things. Right. I'll be, I'll be right back. I don't know where he's getting this money that he's just tossing at her. Yeah, that's true. He has like all these credits, like just chilling. He has all these credits now that he's just tossing at her. Yeah. Randomly. Um, I do want, I, I noted, I was like, I don't know what Spotchka is, but I want it. Oh, well, we we find out what that is later. We do find out what it is. At the time I noted, I was like, oh. I don't know what that is. Uh, but that I just assumed it was beer. Intense. Like when said that. Like some, yeah, like some version of beer. Beer, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's just beer. I need a drink watching these episodes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I need a glowing blue drink. I wonder if the uh, drinks at Galaxy's Edge glow blue. I need to find out. I know they have the blue milk and the green milk, but I don't know if they have spotchka. They should. You can buy alcoholic beverages at, uh, I almost called, I don't know, I don't remember what offhand because my brain yeah. immediately filled in with Aunt Z's Tavern and I went, that's not right. There's only that's two. Rebels. Not there's, Rebels, Resistance. There's only two places in Disney's park that sells alcohol, I believe. One of them is, uh, I think it's called Olga's Can- Cantina. Mm-hmm. I believe one of them is the place in Star Wars Land. Oh. Sells uh, alcohol. Oh, see, I was thinking it was, because um, I know there's, so there's a VIP club that you can be a part of at Disney. Um, and I forget the name. It's like Club 33 or something like that. Um, and it costs like, $30,000 to join. And then it's an, it's an additional, like whatever a year. Um, and they're one of the only places in the park that serve alcohol. Um, but the, for public reasons, I think you're right. I think there is a new place in the, just the galaxy's edge that has alcohol because, you know, star Wars parents want alcohol too. Um, not just Disney parents. So it's there for people like my friends who are going to have to come with me the first time that I go in that by the time you've ridden the Millennium Falcon five or six times, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. And that's a reasonable time to start drinking. I think if you're going to have to ride the Millennium Falcon at least three or four more times. I agree. Um, And I also think uh, he, uh, back to Mando, he, um, he, somehow he can see her footprints when he leaves. Did that strike you as weird? Yeah, that that comes up. Like, this is a criticism I have of the show. Okay. Because, like, his visor thing does whatever it needs to do to communicate relevant information to the audience. And he never uses it otherwise. So, like, the thing where he could go in and, like, listen in using the scope of the rifle in episode three. I don't think that comes up again. I think this might come up again where he can like track things using his visor, but it's essentially there to communicate to the audience. Like 
making sure we are aware of where the footprints are. And I'm like, "Ah, I kind of wish they'd be a little more consistent with it in the show and like find ways to communicate this that are not Mando's helmet can do another thing. Yep. Or his gear can do another thing. I thought maybe it was just more like a, not a, maybe it is maybe more like a heat sensor kind of thing. Like, Obviously, if she had just stepped there, the footprints would have been a little bit more hotter space than like the other because of friction or something. I figured it's that's a what body it heat yeah. thing, but like I don't know. It's part of the territory, I guess, to have the right. It's a it's a natural extension of picking up the TV remote on set and having that be the oh, I can now track the things because of space technology magic i mean it it's right, a, yeah. for fuck's sake it's a franchise about magical space wizards I that's mean, true I'm, I'm not gonna throw a huge fit because <laughs> they got lazy and we're like this is the the way we have yeah. to communicate this to the audience yeah i mean it was fine it's whatever and then she attacks him obviously because the footprints disappear because she jumped up on the roof or some bullshit like which was was fine she's like hanging on to like a fence poster i don't even know what it was and she like swung down and kicked his ass like which i get like but at the same time it was so predictable it was like oh her footprints disappear yeah trope it's the whole thing is just built on trips i and this is the fight that i went oh that's why they cast i mean you're gonna if you're gonna cast an mma fighter you want them to do the hand-to-hand fight right. at some point. Uh, but I just love the visceral nature of the fight in general. It reminded me a lot of my reaction watching the lightsaber fight in The Force Awakens, where mm. really two-thirds of the participants don't really know how know to what they're use doing. a lightsaber. Right. So they're just kind of swinging it wildly or the the uh return of the jedi when luke absolutely loses his shit and just starts wailing on vader with no finesse he's just like shit out of him i was like i i love those really visceral fights and this one was one of those but you know that's just me yeah well i love how it evolves into another use of bad flamethrower yeah i had that in my notes too like like the flamethrower is still shit dude like if obviously if you can't beat her up he's like well shit i can't beat her up so i gotta burn her ass to a crisp and obviously that doesn't work either the final final battle of the mandalorian the entire show is gonna be like in the mandalorian throne room or something and he's finally he's gonna beat whatever the big bat of the series is by using the flamethrower and that's gonna be what this whole thing is leading up to yeah they were like he had it all along and he was able to finally use it or something the final evolution of the character he does a thing with the flamethrower that's not bad um another note i had which i i hate this is this is the one episode where I felt like the tropes actually bothered me because I felt like they did so many this episode, which is I get, but at the same time it bothered me. This is the whole trope of let's beat each other up until we realize we're not the enemies of each other and we're actually supposed to be friends. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean it is it is kind of how friendships start though. Just wailing on each other sometimes until you decide oh we actually turns out we like each other right we have the same exact 
thing we in don't, common. Yeah. We don't like each other, but you know, we both like right. Star Wars. Let's start a podcast. No, I'm just no. <laughs> maybe you and I should have beat the shit out of each other when we first met in that history of TV class. That would have been a much more sense. much more engaging first day than what we actually got. Right. Um, I love how the fight scene ends with the most famous thing to come out of this whole entire show, which was the Baby Yoda soup meme. God, I love that meme. God, Um, I love it. I remember the day after this episode aired, that was all that was on Twitter, was just Baby Yoda sipping out of his cup. I love it. That's all it was. All the internet was for a whole week. (laughs) The memes of this show are delightful yes that it spawned out not so much the second season but the first the first season first season for sure yeah baby yoda is just an icon because he's so memeable right because it just any little thing he does you can throw you know whatever situation throw you want a text on, top on it, it or yeah. throw it attach right. it to your tweet like it briefly replaced i think it still has to a degree replaced the kermit sipping tea mm-hmm. meme God, yeah, I, I'm on I, the internet too much. The pandemic needs to end so I can go interact with some real humans again. I think that actually was like a point that somebody brought up was that like the Kermit meme is dead. And so now Baby Yoda thing is the- Long current. live Baby Yoda. Right. Um, so the only other thing I had for this kind of, I guess, segment, I don't want to call it a scene because it just kind of like the episode kind of ends here and goes into the next kind of half of the episode. Um, they are really like- segments they the scenes like i was mentioning about likes they move dynamically between areas of this environment yeah it was weird my notes are so weird like that because i'm like this is kind of the end of this section like because there's one they have this little conversation um i don't really i didn't really have any notes about their conversation other than the fact that uh mando goes well I guess this planet's taken, so we gotta go somewhere the else. Whole like, the whole the fucking whole planet, planet is taken. The whole planet. I was like, is this planet the size of like the state of Georgia? And they're just in Atlanta, and they're like, well, and I don't feel like living anywhere else but Atlanta. So why the well, fuck else would I stay here? So I'm just gonna leave and go to another. Time, to, time to move to Tennessee. But does that mean that there's only? there's only like this town-esque thing and then like maybe little settlements everywhere and that's the whole planet. Oh, that line also bothered me. Like, but Star Wars has this thing where it treats the planets like they're like three settlements. Yeah. And that's it. Like the Rebels episode, uh, Twin Suns, actually like starts with Maul wandering around in the desert. And the whole point of that sequence was to demonstrate that just because he knows what planet Obi-Wan is on does not mean that he can necessarily track him down immediately right. because it's a huge planet. I liked, I liked her line about like her whole, Kara's whole story about, you know, I was like a rebel shock trooper mm-hmm. and that's what I did and that's what we signed up to do. And then when it transitioned over to the New Republic, like a lot of us who were soldiers, we didn't really know what to do with ourselves because right. you know we were soldiers, we weren't really peacekeepers. It, the implication there being, you know, some people had signed up with the rebellion to fight. Right. And when there was no more fighting, they, they were like, what are we gonna do? We right. can't just stand around and be peacekeepers all day. We're soldiers. So right. a lot of them, it speaks to the kind of person that the rebellion would have attracted. Right. And kind of, well, what do we do when 
when the rebellion is over and everything is quote gone back to normal mm-hmm. which as we see in the sequels didn't really work out right um yeah that's pretty much all i had for their little conversation do you have anything else i do not okay because i really want to get into the next section because this is uh these this is where a lot of the new actors show up so i just want to talk about a one in particular is relevant to the recording of this particular episode of the podcast so i'm Ooh. quite happy that uh i'm quite happy it timed just the way it did i you know what this. i have that i have a note about that. okay so hold on we'll, we'll get into it right now so Mando's just on, uh, in his ship fixing it up at night. And then uh, these two guys in a boat, sounds like a joke at the beginning of a joke. Um, two guys in a boat uh, come up to him. Um, I actually didn't get their names until much later in the episode, but I wrote them down here. Um, their character names. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's really that important because they're just minor characters, but it's Cabin and Stoke are their names. And who, who is the actor that portrays Cabin Bradley? Uh, is that, the, that written down? Uh, I didn't separate them. I just have them both. I don't know who played who. I just have each one. Cabin is played by uh, Asif Ali. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, get to him. well, let's get to him late. Wait, wait, wait. Let's wait for him. Let's let's get to him later because he's him. more information because the other guy I don't really have that much on. Um, the other guy, his name is Eugene Cordero. Uh, he does a lot of voice acting. Uh, most recently, he was in Kong Skull Island. But he's in a lot of other stuff. I just, that was just his most recent thing. Voice actors get around, yeah, I've discovered. He, he's in a lot, a lot of stuff voice acting. He's, I think he did like Archer. He did uh, a lot of Disney stuff, Star vs. the Forces of Evil. He did uh, other stuff. But um, now we can get to the very important one, which is the, the one, one that, that we want to talk shocked, about. Well, this one shocked me because I didn't actually notice him until this time reviewing the episode. Because I was like, oh my God, I know who that is. It had to be pointed out to me. Right. And I would see him in the background of other scenes after it was pointed out to me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I know who that is. So Bradley, do you want to tell us where Asif Ali has recently been seen? Yes. Most recently, he has portrayed the character of Norm uh, in the, you know, little tiny miniature TV show that just recently aired uh, and finished on uh, Disney Plus called WandaVision. Yeah, I'm sure most of our listeners have never heard of WandaVision. Of course uh, not. But it was a small little like sitcom uh, <laughs> that aired for just a couple of episodes and then got canceled on They Disney got canceled Plus. immediately. Uh, <laughs> that immediately got canceled. Um, uh, yeah, I thought was, it was so cool seeing him on this. Yeah, it's, it's neat. I've, I've mentioned on other episodes that we do a pre-meeting and every, every meeting we talk about WandaVision. So it was neat to be like, oh, we're going to be able to come to this episode and talk about this actor who was in WandaVision, which we've both been watching. Yeah, isn't Although, that weird? It's, it's weird how incestuous the whole entire Star Wars universe is because it's like you could be on something in Marvel, you could be on something in you know Disney, you could be on something in Star Wars. Because now, since the house mouse owns all of it, you really get incestuous because it's like that person was in star wars that person was in uh, avengers that person was in uh you know cinderella and without, like, like, without wishing to spoil one of my favorite bits of uh casting uh we will get an actor in a very very upcoming episode mm-hmm. who has been in all three Oh, I like that a little teaser for next time. Little teaser for next time. We we may see an, an actor who has appeared in Star Wars and Marvel, 
and a Disney, proper mm-hmm. Disney movie. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much all I had for the little conversation. I didn't really care much about what they said to him other than just kind of like, we need your help because we're being attacked. We need the big strong man to help us, you know, kind of thing. We don't know what to do. We we'll don't know what you. we're doing. Right. We'll hire you with our little bit of money. Right. I like how Mando continues to be, you know, very cold and dismissive immediately. Yeah. And then like five seconds later is like, <sighs> fine. Yeah. I, fine. I also like the only reason why he even decides that is because he's like, wait, you said you live in the middle of nowhere? You oh. live in the middle of nowhere and okay. you have a roof right. on your house. So much for the planet not being uh, big enough for two people. Uh, he immediately goes to another section of the planet. Well, he then immediately is like, I need the money, but he's going to pay the money to Cara Dune, which right. I thought was interesting. Like we talked earlier about how they made it put a little bit too much emphasis on her as a rebel. Yeah. This was a scene that kind of implies, and I wish they'd done it earlier, that she's working as a mercenary now and so that's what you would do to get her to do it right and, and that's just why, wants a place to settle down and that's why i said that that it bothered me that they put that emphasis on her being a rebel trooper when i when in actuality they should have just simplified it and made her a bounty hunter or somebody who would work for cash you know or be able to be influenced by cash faster so that we didn't have to do kind of like a well she's doing this out of the goodness of her heart you know kind of situation if I if I were editing the episode, like editing the script to the episode, what I would have done is I would have made the revolution, the revolution, the revolution, the revolution, <laughs> uh, the revelation that she was a revolution fighter. Yeah. Uh, the end of the episode, I would have started with her as a mercenary. Yes, and not reveal that would be, that would be more impactful for these later scenes, especially the scene yeah. later on when she's talking about what an ATST can do. Right. And then at the end of the episode is revealed, well, she knows this because she was a rebel shock trooper. That would have been, yeah. Like, they should have switched her little story that she gave Mando right before this. They should have put that towards the end, you know, been like, wow, you were really good out there. Like you were, this is why you were really good. And she's like, well, yeah, because here's my tattoo. I was a shock trooper in the Rebels. Bar. Well, I mean, it's hard to hide it because the design of it, it's right well, yeah. on her face, but you know, yeah, she yeah. could have covered it up and then, you know, revealed it. Yeah, some kind of like of thing episode. where like the water like smeared away her, you know, cover up or something. And it would have been like, whoa, where'd you get that tattoo? Oh, I was a shock trooper in the war back then. <laughs> Lucas, uh, Lucasfilm, I, I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. You can hire me. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm right here. I, I will send you my, re- I've sent my resume into them three or four times already yeah. for different jobs, but I'm like, I'm right here. You can hire me. I'll, I'll, I'll make your already really good things better. Right. Um, moving on. Uh, so they get to the village during the daytime. Before they get to the village, I do oh. want to point out the scene where they're in the cart and it's got like the light and it's moving through the forest. So Star Wars isn't science fiction. Star Wars is space fantasy. Right. And I talk about how like this episode draws on things from like Lord of the Rings style. Like it incorporates that in. This was another thing that I noted where, you know, the ride in the carriage to the location that's kind of dimly lit by lamplight and the carriage is kind of rocking and people are talking to each other. That's like a fantasy staple. Mm. so i loved that it was present here i see what you mean yeah kind of like that caravan 
kind of situation right. where you're in it and then they're all having their conversation while they're on their way to the next journey or whatever the oh good you're finally awake scene from the beginning of of skyrim that's you know been i see parodied to death gotcha so they get to the village and of course the kids love the child (laughs) here's what i want to know how the fuck did disney manage to prevent baby yoda from leaking i not only when they have these scenes these scene alones there's these multiple scenes with these like children 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 interacting with the baby yoda puppet and not a single not a single kid leaked it not a single parent accidentally leaked it nothing not at all not a single soul leaked it and i literally i have i have trivia on this too so we'll get to more about her uh at the end of the episode but uh, the director was Bryce Dallas Howard. And she said in an interview that um, when she was filming um, these scenes, she had her kids on set with her in addition to all these other kids. And the kids knew about Baby Yoda. They were there all the time. They saw Baby Yoda. They interacted with the puppet, blah, blah, blah. And she told them, like, you can't tell anybody about Baby Yoda, which apparently in the interview, the kids referred to Baby Yoda as the baby. Um, and after they were done filming, she would, you know, she went back to LA or whatever, or back to her house in LA and her kids go to public school and everything like that. And they went out and she was like, she had to remind them every single day, like, what are we not going to talk about at school today? And they're like the baby, you know? And so like her kids didn't leak it. These random ass uh, kids that Disney hired as extras didn't leak it. Like that blows my mind unless they just threatened the parents with like, bajillion dollar lawsuit like i don't know what there's two incredible things that i'm shocked no one leaked knowing how many people were involved in them one was the acquisition of lucasfilm by disney no one leaked that there was no indication that was coming until literally the day it was announced which is wild the other thing was baby yoda looking back on the first season and seeing just how many people including young children interacted with baby Yoda and nobody knew a thing about it. And like, they were super cautious. They didn't have any baby Yoda merchandise ready for Christmas that year. Right. Specifically because they didn't even tell any toy makers about any toy companies about baby Yoda. Right. Cause that's how these major leaks happen. That's how Kylo Ren's what, what he had on beneath the helmet was leaked. It was leaked by a Lego set. Right. So it's amazing amazing just that none of this got leaked by a single person i i'm still shocked um and we actually get some uh new characters which we already saw in the beginning of the episode but we kind of get more into who they are um uh the characters of omera who plays our lady villager and then uh, her daughter winter um which her daughter's not that important but the the lady is um and she's played by julia jones who we've seen before, um, not in Star Wars, but she is best known for, well, is what I recognized her from. Um, Cause I was like, she looks familiar. Like she's not just some random lady uh, who got a part in a Star Wars thing. Um, so I know her best from two things. Um, one is she plays the female werewolf in the Twilight movies. Of course, <laughs> of course that's where you know her, of course. <laughs> she was of in course Eclipse. it is. Um, she's played the lady werewolf 
Um, Because there's only, of course, in Twilight, you know, only one girl can be a werewolf in uh, that story because everybody has to be either a sexy vampire or a werewolf and all the werewolves are boys except for one girl. Um, Now, Bradley, how old were you? Because I was in high school when those movies... Oh, I was in middle school. school, Early early college when those movies were coming out. So were you were you uh, were you a Twilight fan? Um, I definitely read the books, but I wasn't like a fan fan. I was in like the fifth grade, I think, when uh, Twilight came out. So I wouldn't have read it right away. I would have waited until probably the third book had come out by then, which is like seventh grade ish is when I would have read them. The real um, question is, were you one of like, were you gay enough at that point? Oh, hell no. No. Twilight's, no, even for even for gay, Twilight was stupid. Um, <laughs> so I just recognized her from that, but um, she, but I, but more recently, I recognized her from another TV show which I really love, um, and she plays uh, the love interest uh, from a character in Westworld. Um, she plays which the season. Uh, was she in? She's in the third season, I want to say. Because I've um, only seen up to the end of season two. Oh, so there's I a seen season three. There's a Native American character um, who's very important to the plot in uh, I, I don't know if it's the third or the second season, but he's one of the robots. Um, uh, the second season, I remember because okay. his episode was one of my favorites. Okay, yeah. So she plays his wife in quotes um, in the park. Hmm. or she did in his past story um in the past (laughs) sorry we're not gonna get into how complicated westworld is right now but um she just plays a native american multiple podcast episodes trying to explain the plot of westworld she plays a native american woman robot in westworld (laughs) if that makes it simplify simplify sure (laughs) i'd love I love uh, Mando's huge, like, divorced dad energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the she's... baby in this scene. Like, can I play, Can I feed the baby? Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Can it? <laughs> she's like, can like, I play with him? Sure. sure. Like, the subtitles actually say size. Sure. Size. Sure. Yeah, I saw that. And I thought it was so funny because then when he she takes the baby out to play or whatever, he's like, no, 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 I don't think we should. And then she's the mom's like, dude, it's fine. Like it's their kids like they go play it's okay you can let them go it's okay he really does have the vibe of like divorced dad who got custody of the kids and doesn't Mm -hmm. know what to do with them right and uh i like uh the one not she didn't say this word for word but she basically says to mando she goes i noticed you didn't eat in front of all those people out there and i was like all right she's like are you self-conscious about eating in front of people? You know what I mean? Like, she didn't say that, but that's kind of what it feels like because he's like, he doesn't take off his helmet. So it was just really hilarious. Yeah, and I loved, they, they go through this conversation and he's, she's like, when was the last time you removed your helmet? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I wasn't uh, yesterday. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, when, yesterday. When did you remove your helmet in front of other people? Uh, you know, when I was a kid. When I was like eight. And like she's, she keeps asking, and he basically shuts it down with, "This is the way." Yeah, and it's like, Which, how is she supposed to know what that means? How is like, she supposed to know what that means? Like, is right. that just, that's your built-in reaction to everything you don't want to answer about. And it's not the, like the tribe he told is, her this is the way. Like, well, it's not like he told her he was a part of a cult. You know, he, he doesn't <laughs> go, like he didn't go. Oh, I'm a part of this group where we don't take off our helmets. Blah 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 blah. He didn't explain it to her. He just says, 
this is the way yeah he's just i don't take off my helmet this is the way (laughs) okay you got it dude yeah i've i've been on dates like that but then after they're done she's like okay well i'll leave you alone bye then he proceeds to take off his helmet and eat in front of an open window that the first time i saw it that drove me insane like it makes her a cool shot but then i'm like yeah any one of those kids could turn their head at any moment. Or this place is like not yes. secure. Or like somebody like, could come you, back in. Why would you take the whole helmet off and put it down when you could just as easily like move it up? Well, because we'll we do see, see we do later. see that in a future episode. I don't remember which one, but we do see him lift up his lift helmet his and helmet drink slightly and drink yeah. and then put it back down. So why did he just do that? Like, what the fuck? Like, oh my god, that bothered me so much watching that scene because he had gone through that whole entire explanation of I don't take off my helmet, I don't take off my helmet, and then proceeds to take off his whole fucking helmet in front of an open window. Well, I mean, he is a man. So he's going to say things and then do other do things thing. when it is convenient for him. Oh my God. Um, do you have anything else for their little conversation? I do not have anything else. So we can move on to tracking the, or the discovery. The discovery. Of, yeah. of what's really going, well, what the, the marauders have. Right. Which is they a see, really cool sequence. Because they see the, um, the footprint in the well i guess yeah it's not a footprint because it's not somebody's foot but you know what i mean like well it's 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 such like a monster trope and the cool thing about this episode you mentioned was the atst is treated is they're treated like a almost like a joke in return of the jedi right and they're kind of treated as jokes elsewhere here they make it genuinely terrifying by incorporating some of these tropes of monster movies into it with you know finding the big footprints it reminds me of that scene in Godzilla. What which Godzilla movie was it, where they realize they're standing in the footprint? Was that the terrible nineteen ninety eight one? Oh, I have no idea. I know what you're talking about though. Um, yeah, no, because it again back to Bryce Dallas Howard. She said that a lot of her influences for this episode was Jurassic Park, um, because she's in Jurassic Park, um, or the new ones anyway, and she said that that was one of like her inspirations was the kind of treating it like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. So it's kind of like this, it might not be like the biggest monster, but it's definitely a monster. It's bigger than the main characters. Right. So it's very interesting how they saw that. Um, They were like, Oh shit, this is an ATST. And I like how, um, they, that how serious they make it they're like oh my god this is this is a big deal this is a fucking atst and if Not, you watch return of the jedi it's like what yeah they take it down in like two seconds like they're the standard they're standard like if you've played any star wars video game it is so except fallen order if you play any old star wars video game it is so easy to take down an atst yeah like it takes basically like no effort at all like i i play the Haas level from lego star wars uh the complete saga and you're just zipping around blowing these things up casually like jedi fallen order it's a little harder to kill the atsts in that but you know it's still 
not that difficult. Here, no. it's they treat it like this big deal, which I mean, I guess makes sense because the villagers don't really have any way to fight against it. Right. Well, and I like that. That's why one thing I do like about this episode too is that they they treat this thing that in the movies we saw was not that big of a deal, just like a mini you know machine that the Empire uses to take people down. But in to a group of villagers who have no idea how to fight and do anything whatsoever, this is a this is a terrifying thing because we can't defend ourselves. So I thought that was interesting, but I did not like, probably the only thing I did not like was that, like you said earlier, that this was a reference to that samurai movie where the whole trope Seven that samurai. we have to teach the villagers how to fight, you know? It's, it's not even a trope. Like, I guess this is a good transition into that scene. Yeah. I have noted, this is where I wrote down in my notes. I already knew it because, you know, obviously this is not the first time we've watched these episodes. Yeah. But I wrote down, this is the plot of that one episode of Clone Wars and also Seven Samurai. And then one, two notes later, I'm like, Cara Dune is doing the same thing Anakin does with the sticks. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure the exact same actual thing that he does where he's training them to use the sticks. Which I, you know, was a reference to right. the film, but it just kind of made me roll my eyes. Right. And like, uh, they're doing the stick drills, which right. in this comes back later in a neat way. But watching the scene again, I went, uh, you could have done, you could have done a different training montage. Well, what's funny you is I've done think a different thing that I think in that montage, the, the sticks you know they're stabbing with the sticks and then of course there's the whole joke that like he's using the wrong end of the stick or whatever and then she turns it around i think that's actually in mulan um when they're practicing their stick fighting in mulan in the original animated movie they're doing that thing where they're doing they're fighting and then mulan has the stick backwards or one of them has the stick backwards and then the general uh guy he like takes the stick from her and he twists it around he's like look you have to use the right side of the sticker it's to, I feel like that's just like a a silly, you know, trope that's just been used so many times. And so I, I, I guess that's why this whole entire montage scene, you know, I just kind of was like, whatever. And then like the whole, he when he asks, he's like, does anybody here know how to shoot a gun? And of course, our main woman character is like, I'm the only one who knows how to shoot a gun. Plus, I'm a woman. So, you know, obviously, I'm really good at shooting guns, too, because I can keep hitting the pot at the same time in the same place. I think it's more the unexpectedness of somebody because I remember that got flack too. Yeah. For her being so good with the rifle. I'm like the the implication there, the sort of the interesting part of that is that there's this one villager that knows how to do it really well. Right. And I think it's one of the things that, you know, it may have needed to have been communicated a little bit better that she obviously had some stuff going on. Mm-hmm. like in the background right like I, with her background that we don't know about i have noted later that i hope she comes back because i do want to know more about this character well i was thinking about the fact that she could shoot the gun or whatever and i think the problem is instead of it coming off as oh there is some weird backstory that we don't know about her and she's a really good shot for some reason like she knows how to handle a, a weapon like there's a whole backstory there that we don't know about but instead it came across as like oh i'm a woman like and i can it's unexpected that i can shoot a gun the kind of thing and that's why i didn't like it instead of no 
the reason why she can shoot a gun is because there's this whole backstory about her life that we don't know about where maybe she was involved with somebody who was really into weapons and that was her you know ex-husband or whatever that has the kid kind of situation and i was hoping for more of an explanation on that i think that there's a conversation definitely can be had too about bringing in like preconceived biases yeah when when approaching this because i i didn't get the same vibe that you did Mm. i i didn't get that vibe from it at all like i remember people criticizing it yeah for that between the introduction of cara dune in this episode and then the one villager also being a woman that's not something that would be present necessarily in universe that would be something that we would be bringing in our own unconscious biases like right we would look at it and go of course disney wants to showcase you know now that they're trying to bring more diversity into star wars that wasn't really as present in the old legend stuff and they might be overcorrecting a little bit that's a bias that we bring in and apply to it right where in universe at least as far as the disney canon goes that's not something that in universe would raise any flags it would be the use of the weapon in general so i definitely think that looking at it and examining it as when you look at these things you kind of have to examine it through the lens of is this a failing on the episode's part is this a failing on the writing's part? Right. Is this a failing on the marketing's part? Right. Or is this something that I'm bringing in? Right. Like with John Boyega and his criticism of the marketing for The Force Awakens, like his point with that being Disney's marketing built up Finn as basically a Jedi and then did nothing with Did nothing that. with that storyline, right. And like, that's a failure of the marketing and then also some of the later films as well. But it's, it's definitely something that we need to be mindful of when we're examining. And even I have to check myself on it, you know, constantly. Do I feel this way because of an external reason or do I feel this way because, you know, there's a problem with the marketing, the marketing department dropped the ball or the episode is just, you know, wasn't the best or ri- wasn't written in a way to accurately convey it. Right. Um, do you have anything else about their montage scene? Uh, I do not other than, no, I already, I already said that I wanted to know more about the main lady's backstory. Right, yeah. So that's pretty much That's it, all yeah. my notes for that. And we, we move into the sequence in the woods. I really wish I had checked that Clone Wars episode before we started recording this. I should have gone back and rewatched that to see how much of it's the same. Well, maybe when we're done with this season, you'll have plenty of time to go back and watch all maybe, the Clone Wars episodes. Maybe there's a huge glut of uh, there's a huge glut of TV right there for us to cover. Exactly. Um, so yeah, they sneak into the bad guys' camp. You know, they blow up their shit. Um, I don't know I, why the liquid glowing is hilarious to me, but it is. Yeah. Um, I only had two notes for that little mini scene, which was that um, the the glowing stuff, I thought, so now we know that's the Splotchka, right? Yes. So the implication is that's the Splotchka. And I never put together until this episode. Yeah. Like, because they don't come outright and say what's going on with the Marauders, why they're raiding the village. Right. They leave it more up to like, implication but the implication is that they're bootleggers 
Because the farmers say we brew Spotchka out of the krill and they come and take it. And then we learn in the camp that what they're actually doing is they've got these big vats full of it. So they're probably letting the farmers get the krill and they've moved in. Right. They're marauding, they're taking it, they're brewing it, and they're selling it for a profit. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's like a weird, it's like, uh, so these bad guys are just selling beer. Okay, cool. Got it. They're Good like moonshiners, uh, <laughs> yeah. but they're like stealing the grain or the right. whatever that they, the bread I burger. forgot how to make, I forgot how you make moonshine. I used to know, but I don't remember. Um, the only other thing I had was that the bomb that they use in um, this scene, it sounds like Pac-Man what like the the theme not like not pac-man's like moving sound but like the actual music in pac-man i i i don't go back go back the first thing the first thing that popped into my head was the mario theme for some reason no no no, like now i have the mario theme stuck in my head and i can't get it out thank you bradley (laughs) this was helpful for my productivity today just like if you go back and listen to it so it's just a slow beep but like when you play it all together, it sounds I can't play it on here because of copyright reasons, but like I would let you I would I would implore you to go back and watch the episode one more time or not the whole episode, but just that one scene. Listen to the beeping of it and then go find the do 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 like that main Pac-Man theme. And you'll be like, I get I see it. Oh, okay. See now that you've done like the low rent uh version of that. Okay, I, I kind of see where you're going. It kind of sounds yeah. like it. I need to go back and watch just this one specific scene. Right. So then we get our ATST appearing with the glowing right. red eyes. It actually and makes it look really you, scary. Right? Now that you mention yeah. the Jurassic Park, I'm like, I can see it. Yeah, it's it, that's where that's this is where I wrote down Jurassic Park reference, but earlier on it just also reminded me that this scene in particular is the official like i think reference to it where it, like, it's Dallas coming out Howard of the... knows a thing or two about running away from a t-rex right so i think this is where it's that kind of that whole thing where it's coming out of the trees and chasing them kind of situation and it's just like a t-rex coming out of the thing and chasing um you know so i thought that was very interesting how they did that there's a uh we cut to the village do you have anything on the the appearance of the atst or can i Jump into the note I really want to talk about with the village. So we cut to the village and we cut to a shot of the kids huddled up with baby Yoda. Yeah. And this was my other two towers note. Okay. Because I was, I had two towers on the brain from the first scene. (laughs) And I went, this reminds me of the Battle of Helm's Deep, where they keep cutting away to the women and children that are in the caves. Right. Um, Yeah. And the door's coming down, right? Yeah. Breaking down the door. Yeah, that's later on, but like the shot of of them curled up, I went, I don't know whether she's consciously drawing off of the two towers, but there's a lot of stuff in here that reminds me of it. She might. And the the other note I have before we jumped into the battle was, this was where I noted that I have some criticisms of some of her stuff in season two, but Gina Carano is genuinely really good in this episode. Yeah when she's shouting the orders and then her earlier scene when she's talking about how scary the ATST is 
Like, I, I don't know whether, you know, she was working with a really good director this time or they had just got perfect material for what she can do as an actress. But I, I definitely made a note because I was like, you know, credit where credit is due. She's really good in this episode. Yeah. I thought so too. Like, I thought, well, especially since the whole plot is supposed to be that she is this rebel trooper, right? Sort of like she's this big, not action star, but you know what I mean? Like a very, you know, someone who knows how to she's fight. She's a soldier. Yeah, she's a soldier. And so all of her scenes where she's like, cover me, you know, like I'm going in kind of situation. And then like, she gets really close up to the thing and she shoots it from, you know, all that, all those scenes mixed together. You're, I believe it. I'm like, oh, wow. So she is a real soldier. She's a real, she, really in the mud, you know? Yeah, she, she nailed that. And the shouting the orders and yeah. thinking on her feet. Like, I mean, again, credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm she's really good in this episode. And as far as introductory episodes, I remember watching it the first time and thinking, hmm, it's not bad. Um, so yeah, they pretty much take down the ATST. I mean, which is, there's not a lot. Yeah, I was like, there's not, not really much else to say, like other than just they blow up the ATST. It's a solid like monster yeah. battle. It's real quick, loved, it's not too bad. I love that the pools come in it, for the use in like combat yeah uh i loved the uh the sticks actually serve a purpose because they stab the bad guy yeah well i like so what i, I thought so overall over oh, this scene it's very uh it gave me like vietnam vibes like because it's supposed to be like a rice paddy kind of situation where they're like in the jungle or they're in some kind of like tropical-esque you know location and it's a battle in a tropical-esque kind of situation um with water and i thought that that kind of they, they do kind of parallel that with all the different tactics to take out these guys definitely and the usage of tactics against them you know and the the sort of primitive traps and things that they're using that are scarily effective because right. the marauders aren't prepared for them i just love that you know, they train with the sticks, and but then the sticks actually, you know, do something. Yeah, we at the have end. a callback, you know, so that it's, it was worth the whole training of me using the stick. Well, you know, last time we taught you screenwriting 101, we taught you the Chekhov's gun. Right. This is a great example of setup and payoff, yeah. where we see the stick, and then the stick, you know, isn't a one-off, the stick ends up getting used. Yeah. A little faster than you normally would see it, but I mean, it still works. It's a self-contained episode. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Yeah, so it's not a big deal. Um, So yeah, they defeat the bad guys. They all go run away. And then uh, Baby Yoda tries to eat a frog in the next scene. (laughs) Baby Yoda's always eating, and that is a hardcore mood. Um, I actually have a random note here, and I forget what it was, but uh, Helmet Logic is what I wrote down. Um, helmet logic i'm trying to remember what that meant um in this scene i had noted that this was a lot about the this is where the point where the the helmet is actually explained oh maybe that's maybe that's what i wrote down or something like along the lines like the reason why he can't take it off or something because i i wrote that down thinking like oh she's gonna try to remove his helmet and then she does i remember that scene in the trailer actually when when she tries to remove the helmet like, I remember that being in one of the early trailers for The Mandalorian. Yeah. I was shocked because it mentions, like, I think Cara Dune mentions, you know, something. It's been a few weeks. 
I'm like, it's been a couple, they've been just hanging out here for a couple, for of, a couple weeks. of weeks. Like what have they been doing? And I realized that, okay, if they establish the fact that it's been a couple of weeks, I could understand why this lady is so into Mando because she's been spending time with him before, you know, she has no idea what this motherfucker's like. She's never seen his goddamn face, and she is like hot for Mando. Like she, it's like falling in love for somebody with somebody behind a, right. a blank grinder profile. Like exactly, you don't know what you this have guy. No looks idea like. what he looks like, and that's, I know. think that's why at the end where she's so comfortable, she's like, "I'm gonna take off his helmet because we're we're we know each other now. We know each other's secrets. We can just we can look at each other." Uh, well, I mean, she would have won that because it turns right. out he looks like Pedro Pascal. Funny, fun fact. Okay, are you ready for this? Ready. So a little, here's where the trivia for the episode comes in. Um, Pedro Pascal does not appear on screen as Mando this whole entire episode. Really? He is, he is not in any scene whatsoever. It is all just voice acting. None of it, he ever appears. It's always the body double in every scene. So one of the reasons why they couldn't take off his helmet was because he wasn't there. <laughs> I think episode five, which is the upcoming episode, I think that one as well will also... I haven't looked up trivia for that one, but yeah, this for this exact one, they said that because of prior commitments, he could not be on set. Um, And so they just used it, they just dubbed his voice in for all the scenes and his double wore the costume for the whole entire episode. Because they were committed. They wanted Pedro Pascal for this. Right. And like, it's very obvious why, because he's incredible in the role. Right. Well, it's also too, I think, I think also the, the planning for the future, you know, as well, like, I know they're establishing the fact that he doesn't take off the helmet, but you know, obviously that can't last forever, even just logistically, it doesn't make any sense, you know, to hire somebody with a face, you know, and not show (laughs) their face. It doesn't make any sense to hire someone with a face. Right. Um, because at that point, then they would have, like, who cares who does the, you know, they could have had anybody voice it. Could have been fucking Robert De Niro if they wanted to, you know. If they're never going to show his face, it just might as well make him, you know what I mean? Like, you could have anybody. You could have John Favreau voice him. You could have, John Favreau could have voiced it, and he could have been like, well, I'll never have to show my face on screen, so it doesn't really matter if I'm in the body. Like, would have been great. Like, you could have fucking Mark Hamill do it. It wouldn't have mattered. Like, Mark Hamill voices everything in Star Wars from here on out. Right. Um, I was, I was surprised. Uh, I was surprised to learn just how prolific of a voice actor Mark Hamill was back in like 2008 or nine when I learned that about him. Right. He, I mean, he does everything. I think most people would say that he is like the definitive voice of like certain characters for them because he just does so many different roles. And I think like, especially like, like with Joker and stuff, he like, people are like, no, he is the Joker. Like there's not like, you know, another person. People like he appears a couple of times voicing different things in Star Wars. Well, we can move on. Um, We we should probably just move on. Because I mean, the episode's pretty much over. So I mean, do you have anything else for the end of the episode other than just uh, the bounty hunter? I do. Uh, I wanted to note here, I I normally, like, kids are normally bad in a thing. But here, like, I really like them. I thought they added a, a, like, a degree of levity and and sadness Mm -hmm. to it. Uh, I also loved how the episode did not end with the spaceship flying off. Yes. Well, it ends, well, before we get to the ending ending, uh, we have to note that there is some random bounty hunter with the tracking fob 
uh, watching them is it during a this whole conversation. I don't think so. I thought it was, but then I think it's just somebody wearing like a mask or something. I don't think it has. Yeah, any I think particular... it's somebody wearing a mask. Yeah, it's not like a weird. It doesn't. I don't think it's relevant. Um, Sadness. Do, yeah. Sadness. The they they have to leave because I guess uh, nobody stopped to think that maybe there were still bounty hunters tracking the kid. Right. So they're like, <laughs> like we you can't. Thought this leave. would have been Mando's like first thought. Because, yeah, because the lady villager is like, you can just stay here forever. I'll raise baby Yoda as my own child and we'll be happy and la, 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 la. And then all of a sudden. Which you know is not going to happen. Right. Because, like, all of a sudden there's a shot somewhere off in the distance. And because Cara Dune just shot somebody in the back who was tracking him. And it's like, oh, well, shit. Word got around that uh, some shit went down a couple weeks ago. So now we got to get out of here. Oh, man. It turns out that I didn't wipe out every bounty hunter in the entire galaxy. Right. When I, so shot, when I shot up the yeah. bounty hunters guild it turns out there were more bounty hunters i know um i do like though how like you said the episode ends with them i think it i don't know how the seven samurai movie ends but i'm assuming it's something akin to people being on some kind of carriage or something riding off into the distance and they're looking back at the villagers kind of like as they slowly disappear into the distance. I got very like Western, like he very rides Western, off yeah. into the sunset kind of vibe from this, you know, he had come and did the thing and saved the village. And now he's going to move on because that's what happens in this genre, which is the genres that, mandalorian is drawing from right and i i like it because also i liked how they are on this like carriage like going away but it's a robot carriage so it's like it's like not r2d2 but you know it's some kind of droid that is piloting the you know the carriage in some way and like driving it away and it's i thought that was just nice star wars is space fantasy and so you're gonna have these elements of it that are it's not science fiction. It's not, you know, right. Other series that focus more on being like the science. They're going to prioritize the aesthetic above the functionality. And then they're going to go back in and fill in the functionality later uh, for pedantic nerds who don't have better to do with their time than sit there and watch uh, Star Wars YouTube videos on the internet. This is a self own, by the way. I'm describing myself when I right. say that. Um, so yeah, any last thoughts on the episode before we get to the directed by? Uh, I, you know, rewatching it again, it was interesting to come into it as it a self contained episode. Yeah. This is going to be the first of our kind of monster of the week episodes. Uh, I thought that it is a little weaker than the first three uh which i guess you know nature it was written by john favreau so it's not like they brought in a different writer and the writer is suddenly worse i just think it was it was a good concept but i think it leaned too heavily into the seven samurai reference yeah it leaned a little too heavily you know into trying to be this self-contained story I thought that they could have they could have done a little more with Cara or maybe not more with Cara Dune but they could have done structured things a little bit differently where there might have been a little more mystery behind the character but overall end of the day it was a fun episode 
Yeah, no, I agree. It's it very simple. I think actually, though, out of all the episodes we watched so far, if you were to categorize them, this would be my least favorite out of all of them. I would I would agree with that assessment. Just because it just doesn't really fit into the whole situation. So I think it would go for me of the four we've watched thus far. I would say probably the the Mandalorian, then the Sin, then the Child. Than yep. this one, than Sanctuary. I agree. That's actually probably my exact order. As of this, that's my ranking of the episodes right now. That's my ranking. We're not going to do the weekly ranking of the episodes. No, 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 it's no, not no. going to be a thing. It's going to take do. way too long to do that. And then once we get to like 20 episodes, it's going to be annoying. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, forget this. It's um, somebody's favorite episode, I'm sure. Well, what we no, can do is we can say what our favorite episode of the season was at the end of this. We can be like, our favorite episode was this one this season, or your favorite. You know, so we'll do that later. But um, we'll do we'll do a season one. We'll do an episode that's just a season one recap. There's there's your preview for what's coming up, partially between Mandalorian season one and Bad Batch. Get get hype. We will cover all of this stuff later um, on. So yeah, the episode ends with the directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, you know, actress known mostly for other stuff, but Jurassic World was her most recent uh, film that she was in. Um, I believe she was also in Twilight. I believe she was in. She was in Twilight. Eclipse. She was. She played um, the. There's a. There's one of the evil people's girlfriends or whatever. She's like a lady vampire, um, which was hilarious. But. Um, Fun fact, her father is Ron Howard, director of Solo, a Star Wars story. Yes, and I was reading, because I was double checking some things before we recorded this episode, because I have learned to do that. Right. And on one of the things I was reading, it did note that apparently he had no idea that she was doing this. He was oh, really? surprised to learn that, she w- that his daughter was also a Star Wars director. That's interesting because, well, other fun fact: she's the only, she's only the second woman to direct a Star Wars product behind Deborah Chow. Um, but the fact that she was one of the directors, I thought personally, it was one of those situations where it was like, oh, we have a good relationship with Ron Howard. His daughter really wants to get in directing. So an easy way to do that is just to be like, well, it's just an episode of a TV show. It's okay if you don't do a great job. Like, it's just like a one-off thing. And if we like you, we'll keep you on. If we don't, you can come back, you know, and do another one later. That's basically that's basically what they did for Dave Filoni because he wanted right. to be a live action director. And so John Favreau worked with him, you know, right. to kind of, and like he studied with uh, Ryan Johnson. He would come to the set of The Last Jedi right and observe how ryan johnson would do it but i love i love how that like both people in the family have done this so like i thought that was just like a fun little whatever well ron howard is also like deeply connected to george lucas bryce dallas howard is like somebody who's known you know lucas for a long time gotcha because ron howard you know i think i think he had he was in american graffiti i think and he's also you know been friends with lucas i think for many many years well overall i thought it was a great story like i said not my favorite but not the worst so it was okay i i'm i'm ready for fine. next week i'm it was definitely fine. ready for next week it was baseline it was it was fine i definitely I wanted a little more from it. Yeah. 
But I agree. So there, there you go. There's the addressing of uh, we are not going to necessarily be completely praising of everything on this show. Right. Yeah, we, could, we don't have to be like, wow, that was the best episode I've ever seen in my life because it was the next one, the most recent one. No, I don't care. It was an okay episode. It was fine. Yeah. There you go. We're, we're you not going to be critical. We're going to be critical of some things. Right. That's that. That's all I have to say about that. Lucasfilm, you can still hire me. <laughs> right. In fact, if you hire me, I will stop being critical of things on the internet and just unabashedly praise everything. Right. I mean, I praise like most of it anyway, because <laughs> most of it is good. All right. Well, that's all for this episode. Anything else? That is it for this episode. Our dank ferret count still sits at one. Dang, ferret. That sucks. Dank, okay. <laughs> ferret, <laughs> it's still sitting at one. Okay, well then maybe they don't overuse it as much as I thought they did. I, I think they get more later. I okay. think it's like Carabast. I think they get it more later. We'll, we'll find we're out. still I guess, sitting at one. We will find out where we're going from here. And we are, I believe as of this, we are halfway through The Mandalorian Season 1. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm ready to see. I think it definitely starts to pick up after this, for sure. We'll see. <laughs> I feel like once per episode, I'm going to choke on my gay drink. <laughs> <laughs>